You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning, East Point Church. How are you guys? Happy New Year. It is good to be with you to kick off our new year together with our Renew Year Challenge, right? Making a statement today, week one. We're making a statement with our time to ourselves and to the Lord that we prioritize gathering as a family. And so thank you for being here this morning. Why don't you go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as you get there, I want to give you a little bit of insight into my childhood mind. Might be a little bit scary, huh? When I was a little boy, I inevitably found myself playing games, found myself imagining scenario. For real? I expected an awe, not an out loud cackle. That was very offensive for those of you keeping record. I was a Royal Ranger. Yes, I was. So uh, when I was a little boy, I found myself in, in, uh, in scenarios, playing with my sisters, playing with my friends, and one of my favorite games, just something that I ended up doing inevitably, was going on a mission. Any other little boys remember missions? I don't know why. It's just you have nothing else to do, and, and so I would find myself with my sisters. Here's an example. I'd get my sisters together at the top of the stairs into my bedroom, and I, and I was a leader. i go, oh, guys, bring it in, bring it in. You know, and i whisper as if there's something really, bring it in. What is it? What is it? I said, we have a mission. We're going on a mission. And we'd go into our costume drawer, and I'd always have a Ninja Turtle headband, because that's what you do in the 90s. And I'd, and I'd put on my ninja costume, and they'd put on their princess ballerina costumes. And I'd say, here's the mission. we got to go down the stairs, past the dog, through the kitchen, and get the cookies, and bring them back upstairs without anybody noticing. This is our mission. When you play with little kids, they just... They love that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, the mission, come on. And we, and we get into it. And I remember for Christmas once, I got walkie-talkies, the best gift you can get under 10 years old, walkie-talkies. And just, man, there was just something, even at a young age, something inside of me, perhaps something inside of you that longed to be a part of important assignments. Little Sammy wanted to be a part of a mission. I wanted to be a part of something that mattered, something urgent, I wanted a purpose. We're going on a mission. And so East Point Church, bring it in. East Point Church, huddle up, huddle up. Seriously. We're going on a mission. There is something that we are called to do. There is a difference that we are called to make in our world and in the world. And this mission is important. We're going on a mission. There's something we're called to do. And in general, you can call it the great commission. This is the same mission that every church all over the globe, all throughout history has shared. We are part of God's mission going into the world to reconcile people to himself. We get to be a part of a mission where God is bringing people from spiritual death to spiritual life, transforming their lives. We get to be a part of a mission, friends, where people learn that life is most fulfilled when they live in complete devotion to Jesus and service to others. We get to be a part of that as people's lives are transformed, as everywhere the gospel spreads and people come into the family of faith. We're going on a mission. But in in addition to the general commission, 
East Point Church, a local church led by local elders with specific individuals, we have specific orders. You see, we have a dream that God has given us. We have a unique DNA. The way that we live out that great commission in our community, in Talbot County and the surrounding counties, it's going to be unique. We're going to reach the world. I'm very excited and eager to share more about this with you at Vision Night in a few weeks. Please be there Saturday the 27th. Uh, Vision Night, I'm really, really eager to share with you some of the things that the Lord has put on our hearts. Some of the specific orders that he feels like he's calling us to. Some of the specific initiatives that we think we're called to live out. But before we get there, just know this. We want to change the world. We want to be a part of a mission where God is changing the world. So if we're going to reach the world, there are three ways we can do it. I'm just going to give it, I'm going to give you all of my cards up front so that you understand what it's like from this side. There are three ways we can do it. Everybody give me a point, uh, number one. Everybody hold up a number one and now point at me. Everybody point at me. Yeah, see all those fingers? Point at me. This is the first strategy. You do it, Sam. You do it, right? And that's the strategy, right? Where it's the pastor at the front is the paid professional. Go to the next slide. The pastor at the front is the paid professional and he's the face. And so we're going to reach the world when the guy up front does it. And he's, he's the face, he's shaking hands, he's giving the talks, and he reaches the world. And all of the people in the congregation, what do they do? They say, I watch the mission. Okay? You do it, I watch the mission. Look at the next strategy that we can partake in. A little bit better, but another way that we can reach the world is where a church moves into community. The church, the organization, usually led by paid professionals and paid staff, they reach the world through collective splashes. Right? We organize programs and events, and the church, as an organization, they'll reach a community. And so the people who are make up that particular body, they say, okay, they do the mission, and what do I do? I help the mission. It's not your mission, it's their mission, but you help. You help the machine run. You volunteer, you, you clock in a few hours a month, and you, you help keep things moving, but it's not your mission. It's theirs, the church. But there's a third strategy, okay? There's a third strategy where every single one of us, where you and I come together as individual followers of Jesus, and we extend the mission into each of our circles of influence, where each of us understand that we can carry on this mission, that we get to, maybe not with a Ninja Turtle band, but we get to put on the gear and say, I'm on a mission. And so when you attend a church like that, the people in the seats, they don't say, I watch. They don't say, I help. They say, I am called to the mission. And so we call this strategy all hands on deck. What I want to tell you this month throughout this series is that each and every single one of you have a circle of influence. Each and every single one of you in God's sovereignty have been placed in a unique community, in a specific neighborhood, alongside of specific co-workers, working out as a specific gym. You have a specific place that you've been called. And we need to understand that because if we don't, we'll fall into what I call the if you build it, they will come strategy. 
And so here's our map of Talbot County. We build the church, and there's our circle of influence, right? The organization. But when we view the church as the people, when we view the church as every single person that makes up this body, and each of them have their own unique circle of influence, each of you have your own orbit, each of you has been placed strategically in a specific spot, not just to be a citizen, not just to be a neighbor, but to carry the mission. Church, we're going on a mission. This is our vision, the growing influence of a growing people. I want you guys to understand this month and this year that God has called you to the mission. You may not believe me, but I'm here to tell you that God has a plan for your life that is greater than I watch the mission or sometimes I help the mission. God wants to transform you into an agent of change. God wants to take your life and let your testimony and your triumphs help other people come to a place of victory. I believe with all my heart that if God gave you a glimpse of what he wants your life to look like in five years, that many of you in this room would go, yeah, right. If God right now showed you just a, a quick screenshot of what it could look like for you to influence the people in your community, what it could look like to make disciples, what, could it, what, what it could look like to speak and to share your testimony. If he showed you a glimpse of what it would look like for the people in your family to put their faith in Christ because you boldly shared, how many of us would go, yeah, right. And I have a theory. My theory is that if God's vision for our life doesn't cause us to say, yeah, right, it's not God's vision. It's your vision. And so in this series, friends, I want you to know that you are called to the mission. And if East Point Church is going to live out the specific orders in pursuit of the great commission that God is calling us to, then each of us needs to believe that we're called. Each of us needs to understand and internalize the fact that we have a role to play, that we can engage the mission. Each and every single one of you in this room, you need to understand 1 Corinthians 12, which is what I call body language. Body language. Take a look with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. This is God's word for East Point Church. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Let's pause right there. Paul gives us a metaphor. He gives us a picture. He puts an illustration in the word here that shows us what God's church is designed to be like. There's a picture that shows us how we are supposed to function. Here's the picture. Look what it says. Just as the body, just as a physical human body is, so it is with Christ. There's something for us to learn this morning. There's some insight for us to glean about the church by considering how the human body functions. So how does the human body function? Time for anatomy. Look what Paul says. He says, first, the body is one. I am one body. I am not a bunch of little pieces talking to each other. I am one unified whole. 
an indivisible unit. My feet don't talk to my hands. My eyes don't talk to my ears. I am one body, animated and filled with one spirit, with one consciousness, with one mind. I am one. And yet, we know that one body has many parts. Some of your parts are hurting right now, aren't they? Right? And you know, man, that, my feet are talking. Different kind of talking, okay? One body has many parts. One body has many members, many different parts with different functions and different compositions. And our body parts all look different. But that doesn't mean they're not one. Though many, they are one. One body, many different parts. One whole, many different functions. That's how the body works, right? Some of you should be taking notes right now. You're like, man, this is kinesiology 101, right? No, it's not profound. I get it. But Paul is not here to give us an anatomy lesson. He's here to make a point about how the church functions. And so he says, so it is with Christ. Just as the body is one, we as a body are one. The body of Christ is the best illustration for the church because we're united. You see, we can't talk about unity like it's an aspiration. It's a reality. We, we are united by nature of what we are. We are together. God made it so. When God brings you into his family, he fills you with the same Holy Spirit that he fills me with. It says here he baptized you into one spirit. All of the followers of Jesus, we are drinking from and partaking in one spirit, which means there's no Christian cousins. There are no Christian in-laws twice removed. You know, like, we're, there's only one family of God. We are one. One body, regardless of your background. One body, regardless of the language that you speak. One body, regardless of your ethnicity. One body, regardless of your experiences. One body, regardless of your status. We are one, just like a body. Can we just let the weight of that sink in for a moment? In a day and age where people just come and go and affiliate and join clubs and have memberships, it's like it can feel so easy to be detached, but we are one. We're not just a loosely collected group of people doing our own thing in proximity to one another. No, no, no. You're not just near to me. You're a part of me. We are connected. You're my heel and I'm the toe. I don't know, but we are one. We're one. And how do you become a part of the one body? Notice, it's not by paying money. Nope. You can't buy membership into the body. It doesn't say you become part of the body by showing up on Sunday regularly. No. It doesn't say that to become part of the body, you have to fill paperwork. No, no. This is a spiritual body, which means you join the body through the Spirit. When you put your faith in Jesus, when you come to him and surrender your life and say, I now live for you, he grabs you and he adopts you into the family and he fills you with the same Holy Spirit he filled me. He baptizes you. He plunges you into the same Holy Spirit. And so we're one. We are one. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Have you become part of the body? Do you believe that he is who he said he is? Do you trust that when you turn to him in faith, he really can adopt you and fill you with his spirit? If you believe that, friends, you're part of the one. 
When you turn to him in faith, he makes you a part of the one. Which is why we love baptism, as an aside, right? Baptism, we are literally being baptized and submerged into water as a picture, as an illustration of what Jesus has done to us spiritually. He has baptized us. He has plunged us into the body, into his spirit. And so we are one. And yet, at the same time, even though we are united, just like a body, we are all very different. The body does not consist of one member, but of many. There are a lot of different people in this room. Each of us, just like body parts, we are members. We are different. We are diverse. We have different functions, different roles, different gift sets, different ethnicities, different temperaments, different experiences, different competencies, different passions. And so what the world says is they go, all right, everybody stand up. Uh, all the people with this passion, you go over there and you have your own group. And all the people with this ethnicity, you go over there and have your own group. And, and we isolate and we congregate based on those differences. And yet God is saying, no, 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 you're a body, an interconnected whole. And so, yes, you are beautifully diverse. And yet at the same time, you are undeniably whole and united. It's a body, one in mission but various in our contribution. One in faith, but various in our functions. One God, but varied in our roles. And so my question for you this morning is a question I'm going to ask you a lot this month. Do you see yourself as a part of the body? Do you see yourself as a part of the body with a unique role to play, with a unique function? Do you understand that you are not an accessory? You're not like a hat to the body. Well, sometimes they take me out when the weather's nice, but mostly I stay in the closet. You're not a scarf. You're not, help, I don't have any many accessories. You're not a wristwatch. You're part of the body. And if we didn't have you, we would be disfigured. We would be dismembered. You are a part of the body. And here's how you know if you're part of the body. Very simple. You can try this this week. Start talking to your coworkers about your church and realize what pronouns you use. All right. You talk to your coworkers. Yeah, they have this camp that they do twice a year. Yeah, they have gatherings of small groups. Yeah, they have this music thing. They, I'm watching. Or we take kids to camp twice a year. See the difference? Yeah, we gather as a family at 9 and 10.30. Yeah, we gather in community groups and we study the Bible together. We get to, we, we, do you see yourself as part of the body? And so East Point Church, if we are going to be healthy, if we are going to be effective on this mission, we need every body part. We need every spirit-filled, every spirit-gifted follower of Jesus, all hands on deck. Why? Because you are a part of the body. You are a part of the body. So here's what I want to do. For the next few moments, I'm going to show you the rest of these verses, and we're going to see three things. Three mental errors, three temptations that threaten to disconnect you from the body and to keep you from engaging on the mission. Three lies, if you will, three lies that keep us back, that keep us disconnected, that every single one of us in this room has thought at least once in our life, including me. I've thought all three of them, full disclosure. And so let's look at the next few verses, and let me show you these things. Look at number one, starting in verse 15. 
If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Pause. Do you see it? Number one, we undervalue our part. That's the first mistake we make. We undervalue our part. And so here's where the body language starts, because we start to hear some, some of the body parts talking. And I'd like to introduce you to my friend, the foot. The foot's a cool guy. He's talking. We rely on him every step of the way, maybe every other step, depending on who it is. But the foot starts talking, and what does he say here? He, he has noticed the hand. He has noticed the six-foot difference between where he's at and where this hand is. And, and man, he's got to admit, that hand is smooth. That hand is, has dexterity, right? He's like, man, I don't have any opposable thumbs. That is very cool. And as he studies the hand, as he looks at his other body part, he comes to the correct conclusion. He says, I am not a hand. So, wow, I'm different. And he's right. You can look all throughout this room, and I'm sure you do, in your community groups and on your serving teams and in your neighborhood, and you notice other people, and you rightly conclude, I am not him. I am not a Karen. You see the way Daniel played? I am not a Daniel. I am not a Kara. And we, and we notice a difference, which is good. I'm not a hand. But here's where it goes wrong. What started as simple admiration and recognition of the hand eventually de devolves into devaluing and depreciating herself. She sees the differences, which are true, but then she wrongly concludes, because I'm not a hand, I must not be part of the body. Because I'm not a hand, I don't think I bring anything to the table. I don't have opposable thumbs. Therefore, I must not be valuable. We undervalue our part. The foot's not the only one struggling with self-esteem. Look, we also hear from the ear. And the ear has noticed his neighbor, the eye. And what does the ear do? He starts to compare himself to the eye, and he concludes, since I'm not him, because I don't play his part, I don't think I actually have a role to play at all. And this unhealthy comparison leads to a really bad conclusion. I don't belong to the body. This is body language. The parts are talking. And so Paul, he's giving us these, these silly pictures. He's giving us this funny metaphor because he wants us to see just how silly these conclusions are. Think about it. Who would ever question how vital the feet are? We need our feet. We need our ears. It's obvious how important they are. But when you start to compare yourself, you start to forget obvious things. You start to forget just how obviously you're needed, just how obviously you're valued, just how obviously you are an important part of the body. And just because the feet and the ears are comparing, just because they're struggling with doubt and self-esteem issues, it doesn't make her any less a part of the body. Even in your comparison, you're still a part of the body. And so I just wonder, do you ever undervalue your part? 
Have you ever found yourself withdrawing from being involved, withdrawing from engaging the mission? You don't, you don't contribute to the mission anymore because what's the point? There's already 10 people who do it better than me. You ever undervalue your part? Look at how God designed the body and realize this morning, you have a part to play. You are a part of the body. And so that's the first mistake. Sometimes we undervalue the part that God calls us to play. Look at the next one. Verse 17 says this. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Here's the second mistake we make. We desire uniformity over diversity. We kind of just wish we were all the same. And so we see certain people in their roles. We see certain people with their gifts, and it's attractive. And we think to ourselves, if only we all, if only the whole body had that gift. If only the whole body was good at that. If only the whole body could speak like her. If only the whole body could be hospitable like him. If only the whole body could, then we would be stronger. If we had more of those gifts in our church, then we would be effective. Then we could really get after the mission. But Paul says, take that thought to its logical and absurd conclusion. If we were all the same part, we would not be a stronger body. Where would be the sense of hearing? Where would be the sense of smell? Where would be our sight? If we were all the same, if we were a single member, where would the body be? A single member, if we were all an eye, a single eye. That's the stuff of nightmares. That's not a church. That's not a body. I just picture a foot. I just wish we were all the foot. That's a horror movie. I mean, that's not a body. We're all an earlobe. That's our contribution. No, I mean, the, the community will not appreciate that. They will run. If we were all the same, if we were uniform in our gift sets and gift mixes, we would lose the diverse, interconnected, vital functioning that makes us an effective body. We make a mistake when we desire sameness, when we long for uniformity, because that's not how a body works, and it's not how God's body works. Look what it says here. Look at the next part. It says, God arranged the members. Each one of them. The gifts that you have, the roles that you play, the gift mix that makes up you is not random. It says God arranged them. And so when God was knitting you together in your mother's womb, he didn't just hold out a, a, a deck of gift cards and say, pick a gift, any gift. He didn't sit back and say, well, let's see how you develop and you tell me what you're interested in and then I'll, yeah, I'll help you with that. While he was knitting you together in your mother's womb, he arranged your personality. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Your person, you don't repent of personality, you repent of sin. He arranged your competencies. He arranged your passions. He arranged your interests. That's why you can get one three-year-old a toy guitar for Christmas, and in three weeks he's strumming like a champ. 
and you give it to another kid, and he thinks it's a hammer. That's God. He arranged it. The aspirations in your heart, that's from him. He designed it so as he chose. And so what role do you play? Come on, what part of the body? Are you a leader? Are you an administrator? Are you an encourager? Are you the kind of person that you just, when somebody comes into your presence, man, they are just filled with joy because you're such an encourager? Are you super organized? You have the gift of administration? And you just walk in and you just, before you know it, five minutes later, it's like, man, out of chaos comes order and spreadsheets and just like, boom, color-coded tabs everywhere. Is that you? It's not me. Whatever your gift set, remember your gift set, your gift mix, your aptitudes, your skills, your passions, your interests are God's sovereign and intentional cocktail called you. You are a part of the body. You see, when we desire sameness, when we, when we desire that we all had a different gift, we're literally saying to the God who arranged us, nice try, but I wish it was this way. Now, I see what you were going for, God, good, good idea, but I wish I actually was wired this way. It's as if we're saying to the Lord, I know better. You don't. God arranged it. And so if you're here this morning and and you struggle with pride, and you struggle with arrogance, and you tend to think, man, my part is the best. God arranged it. Easy killer, okay? God arranged the gifts. We can't boast. Let no one think of himself more highly than he ought to, but according to the level of faith that, the God, that God has given him. God arranged it. If you think too lowly of yourself, hey, God arranged it that way. You don't know better than him. You are a part of the body. One more mistake I want to show you. Verse 21. Look what it says here. We have some more body language. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The final mistake we tend to make is that we disregard others. We hear some more body language. We get to hear from the eye. We get to hear from the head. And do you hear them? Can you hear their tone? They are dripping with arrogance. They are inflated with pride and self-importance because the head and the eye, they look at the hand and then they go, Psh, what does that guy even do? Why do we need the hand? Is he even that important to what we're doing? Hey, hand, what role do you play again? Why do we need you? In their pride and self-importance, they fail to understand that though the hand's contribution is different, though the foot's contribution is different, maybe even less flashy, Maybe even less obvious, maybe more taken for granted, 
it is just as much a vital part of the body. They forget this, and so they wrongly conclude, I have no need of you. They look to another part of the body, and they say, I have no need of you. I think it's fascinating that the very body part that was envied by one is disregarded by another, right? There's always two sides to every story. The person you go, man, they must have it together. They must be perfect, has insecurities of their own, is despised by others. They're part of the body. And so they say to the hand, they say to the foot, I have no need of you. And I think it's interesting that the body parts that are, that are pictured and illustrated with pride are the eye and the head. The more visible parts, the parts that get a lot of face time, the parts that are more public, the parts that everyone notices. And maybe Paul is trying to tell us that those who serve more publicly, those of you whose gifts are more out front, you have a unique occupational hazard here. Pride. It's just easy to think that the public, the highly visible parts, are the most important, isn't it? I mean, after all, when I FaceTime my dad, I'm not, he's not, I'm not showing him my foot. It's called FaceTime, not foot time, right? The face is more important. Except my dad. My dad only gets the forehead in the shot. I'm like, Dad, I'm not going to FaceTime you anymore if you can't hold the phone right. Is that better? I'm like, it's not better. FaceTime, not forehead time, Dad. And so we're tempted to think that the parts that get more FaceTime are more important. Those are stronger. They're the ones that matter. And those of us, like me, I'm a speaker, I'm a communicator, I'm a leader. Maybe you're in this room and you're a teacher. You're an upfront person. We have a greater risk toward pride. We have a greater risk toward the temptation of disregarding others. That's all we need. All we need is the face. All we need is the mouth. That's not how the body works. That's not how the, the church works. On the contrary, look what it says. Our body parts that seem to be weaker, our body parts that cannot stand on their own, that are less honorable, those are the ones that are indispensable. The body parts that are not public, we might even call them private parts, they're actually unpresentable. And what do we do? We give them greater attention. We give those parts more tending to. We treat them with greater modesty and care. Just because something is private, just because something is small, doesn't make it uh, uh, any less important. We don't disregard the smaller and less public parts of our body. We honor them as vital. We tend to give them more honor. And so it is with Christ. So it is with Christ. Those of us who serve in roles that are less public, those of us who serve in roles that are less noticeable, are not to be ignored, are not to be dismissed, are not to be devalued as irrelevant. We need those unseen parts just as much, maybe even more than the public parts. But we forget this when we disregard others. You see, I think Jesus knew when he started to organize his church, I think he just knew that the sin inside of us, human nature, would lead us to naturally separate strong versus weak, public versus private, big versus small. And we just, we would tend to naturally divide and devalue each other. And so he shows us, no, 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 you're a body. I've put you together on purpose. Why? So that no one, so that there may be no division in the body. 
there would be no division, no disregarding, no dismissing those who are different than us. And so rather than our differences dividing us, causing us to go in different directions, the fact that we are an interconnected whole means that when one body part suffers, we all suffer. Right? When somebody steps on my foot, my hand doesn't go, woof, glad it wasn't me. My brain screams, ouch. When I step on a Lego at home, and it is the sharpest six-piece Lego, and it just goes through my foot to my brain. My head's not like, woof, I avoided a close one. My head is going, yowzers. It hurts. When one suffers, we all suffer. Because we're one. And when one person is celebrating, when one person is rejoicing, then guess what? We all rejoice. Why? Because we are one. And even though you're different than me, even though your function looks different than mine, even though God gifted you differently, you are a part of the body. You, my friend, are a part of the body. So here's a question I want to end with. Do you see yourself as part of the body? Do you see yourself as a vital, interconnected member of God's family with a unique and very important role to play? Do you watch the mission? Do you help with the mission? Or are you called to the mission? And so which of these three errors, as we respond Maybe you even journal this in your journal at some point today. Maybe you talk about this with your spouse or a friend. Which of these three mistakes do you want to overcome in 2024? This year, all hands on deck, this year, as we prepare for the future, as we prepare for where the Lord is leading us, maybe you're here, and number one, you've been undervaluing your part. You've been saying, man, I, I don't have a role to play. You know who I am? Come on, there's so many more gifted people. You've undervalued your part. Maybe this year you realize that you've been desiring uniformity over diversity. You've really just longed for sameness. You just, you've been frustrated. Why can't everybody be good at this? Why can't everybody just be like this? I mean, look at me, I'm doing it. Why can't you do it? And you need to just stop and embrace the diversity and value it. Or maybe you're here and and you say, man, this year I'm going to stop disregarding others. I'm going to stop just even subconsciously making people feel like they don't belong. I'm going to be a person that doesn't radiate displeasure and disgust. They go, pshaw. I want to be a person that encourages. I want people to leave my presence going, yeah, I do have a part to play. Not, I guess he really doesn't want me around. Because we're too smart to disregard people out loud, aren't we? I mean, only like it would have to take a very special person to say, excuse me, brother, hope you're having a great day. Nobody wants you here. I mean, that would be a very rare person. More often than not, we go, mm-hmm. Don't disregard anyone. We all have a role to play. Because you are a part of the body. And if this body is going to be healthy, if this body is going to be effective, if we're going to run to where the Lord is calling us to run, then we need you. All hands on deck. Get ready. Start praying. Here's my prayer. I'm going to write this. I wrote this up for you. You can write this down or snap a picture, whatever it is. But here's the prayer that I would love you to start praying every day 
for the month of January, okay? I want you to pray, Lord, give me vision for my life. Help me embrace the reality that you want to use me and that you have called me and gifted me to play a role. Lord, give me vision for my life. Help me embrace the reality that you want to use me and that you have called me and gifted me to play a role. That's the prayer. Because you're called. You who have been saved, you who have followed Jesus, you have been filled with the Spirit and gifted with his gifts. You're called. You're a part of the body. So let's pray. Lord in heaven, I'm just so overwhelmed that we get to be a part of your mission. Lord, I, before I ever served in this mission, Lord, I was a recipient of your mission. You saved me. You brought me, Lord, who was far away and headed for destruction. You brought me into your family. You opened my eyes. You regenerated my heart. You filled me with the Spirit. You gave me your name and you called me your son. And God, I want to spend the rest of my life helping other people know that. God, I want to live a life of total devotion to you and total service to others. And so, Lord, give me vision for how I can do that. Give me vision for what that looks like in my unique circle. Give me vision, Lord, that makes me say, yeah, right, I could never do that. Because in that gap, between the vision and our present circumstances, that's where faith and dependence is birthed. Would you create a people? Would you create a congregation at East Point Church that is so prayerfully dependent on you because we know that we will never be able to do what you've called us to do unless you go with, with us and before us and work through us. Lord, I just pray that you would activate this body. Lord, I pray that every person would sense the call and engage the mission, the mission of the Son with the power of the Spirit to the glory of the Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.